0: Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah in Ahmedu who won a starin, who won a Staffiru, who won a Tawakal or Shururi and Fusina, or Minsayatia at Malina, Mayadilla, Fala Mudilla, who are my youth little Fala Hadilla, when I shadow a la ilaha illa law, who are the Hula Sharikala, when I shadow Anna muhammadan Abduhu wa Rasulu, salawatu or Rabbihi was Salamu, who are lay he while he was happy, Wamanda Bidawati, Ila Yumidin. Am I bide? Uh, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the whole Qur'an, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Inna ida'ta shuhuri inda Allahi ithna'ashara shahran fee kitabillah yawma khalaqa as-samawati wal-ard, minhaa arba'atun hurum, thalika ad-deenul qayyim. Saduq al-Azim. Ahead of us lies... What is called Arba'atun Hurum? Allah refers to it as the four sacred months. Four sacred months. Allah says, in iddata shuhuri عند Allah, that the number of months by Allah are 12 months. Minha Arba'atun Hurum. Of these 12 months, four are sacred months. And we will get to know, inshallah, what the word sacred means. Hurum, what does it mean? And this is established in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The time that Allah subhanahu created the heavens and the earth, Allah decided that the year will have 12 months. And this is the correct deen, this is the established faith of Allah subhanahu wa Because the Quraysh had tried to change, they would change the months as, they, as it would suit them, they would change the months. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had indicated in the Qur'an that there are four months that are sacred. The, the sacredness of these four months are that no fighting shall take place in these months. Except, of course, if Muslims are attacked, they must defend themselves. But these four months are sacred months and, and been recognized by the Quraysh before Islam, before the time of Islam, as sacred months. And the reason these are sacred months is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to make the path to, to, the, to, to Makkah and Kaaba and Hajj and Umrah, easy for Muslims. So they don't have to fear going there and coming back, they will be attacked on the way, or wall breaker. No, these are months which there is automatic peace amongst everybody. Fighting stops immediately. So we find that in these months, which months are they? There are three, Nabi, Nabi said, Three of them are, follow one another. Namely, Dil which we are in now, Dil which is the last month of the year, the 12th month of the year, and then Muharram, which is the first month of the year. So, number 11, number 12, Dil Qa'ada, Dil Hijjah, Muharram is Butawariyat. They follow each other successively. And of course, the fourth month is the month of Rajab, which of course is on its own. So, Islam, I think, probably is the only faith that is distinguished by this non-belligerency act passed by the Quran. That there shall be no fighting in certain times of the year. Not like today, I mean, everybody's fighting all the time. At least, if we followed the Quran, Muslims themselves would follow the Quran, they would recognize that these are the four months that you should be there no, should be no fighting. Particularly the Saudis. I mean, they should know. I mean, they, this was established in their, in their city, in their time. Allah created Makkah as, as haram, as a place of uh, uh, security. But there are the people who are bombing Yemen. I mean, it's so strange that they send their army into Yemen at the time, in, in the sacred month of the month that precedes the month of Hajj, where they are the, the guests, I mean, the, the hosts of all the hujaj who come to Makkah. So a lot of contradictions today. And that is why it is so important. I mean, if you look at the world today, if you look at the West, and you look at the East, and you look at what's happening in the world, and we can go on for months and years to discuss what is happening in the world. But if you really look at the world, you would become very sad and you would become very skeptical about values and morals and religion and prayer and worship and akhirah and so forth and so on. And that is why it's so important for Muslims to read the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an contains what I referred to last week as the psychology for the equilibrium and balance of the Muslim mind. You can't get this from a lecture. You can't get this from a psychologist or a psychiatrist. You have to read the Qur'an in order to feel and recognize the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also to recognize that, and I always say this is a great the great plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and reveals itself and unveils itself only in past history, the history of the Nabi sallallahu the history of the Sahaba, and also of course uh, the revelation of the Holy Qur'an. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala then has singled out these months: month we in, next month, Muharram, and month of Rajab. And therefore, the Quran refers to sin committed in any of these months as sins whose immensity becomes more immense in these months. If you commit a sin in another month of the year, it's, it, you 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 get one for one. But if you commit a sin in the Qaeda or the Hijjah or Muharram or Rajab, Nabi SAW said, it is increased. Similarly, on the other side of the balance, if you do anything good, if you do an amaran salih, a good deed, in any of these formats, again, like in Ramadan, your reward will be much, much greater. So it's important for us to see these milestones for what it is, to see the opportunities that this presents to us as Muslims. And as I said last week, that we tend to rationalize and intellectualize the sins that we commit, so that we may not feel as guilty as we should feel when we commit sins. But it is not the size of the sin which matters. It's not whether you're committing a small little sin or a big sin. What is it that should worry a Muslim? What should worry a Muslim is not that he had not greeted his brother, or they had not spoken to his brother for three days, or they had not given sadaqah for today, or they had not gotten up for fajr this morning. Or he had maybe dealt in riba, or maybe he had committed some sexual act which he shouldn't have done. And he thinks, well, you know, I've done so, such a small sin, or I've done such a great sin. That is not the, the point. The point is not the bigness of the sin that you've committed. The point is, who have you dissatisfied who have you? The, you've 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 dissatisfied, and you've gone against the majesty of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Whether it's in small or big doesn't matter. So one should always not look at the sin that you commit. One should look at who are you disobeying? Who are you disobeying? It's like tax, you know. <laughs> I don't want to make an example with tax. I mean, you catch this uh, saad with a hundred ren, is going to come back with a thousand rand. and is going to put interest on it, and they're going to put whatever they put on it, and and you know, they say, first pay, then we then we go into, then we discuss your case with you. First pay, go to the cashier, pay, the penalty and everything else, then you come and talk to us. Somebody with good deeds, and these are the months of good deeds. Don't trivialize your good deed. Don't say, well, you know, I only got five cents, a guy wants money, it's all I got five cents. I'm not going to give it to him, you know, just put it in my pocket, leave it. It is not, again, you trivialize a good deed, which in the eyes of Allah, could be as big as Mount Uhud. Because of your intention. Because that's all you have. If you have a 10 cents or a 50 cents or a 5 rand, that's all you have. Somebody asks you, can I have a 100 rand? You say, well, I've only got 10 rand. You know, sorry. Give the man the 10 rand. Don't trivialize because why not? Because you're not doing it for him. You're doing it for he who has given you the 10 rand. Somebody told me once that all the transactions on your Visa card, in your MasterCard, every single transaction, goes through New York. Every single transaction on your Master Card and Visa Card, and what else is there? Yeah, we just swipe the card. We don't look anymore. Sorry, Diners Club or whatever else. So similarly with your good deeds, it first goes to heaven, then it comes down to the person. So if you give somebody five rand or ten rand. It first gets registered by Allah then the man says thank you. Before he can say shukran, Allah has already thanked you for the good deed that you've done. It's already been registered, it's already been written down. And it's written down in terms of your intention, in terms of the time when you did it. So you did it in Muharram, or you did it in the al or you did it in Hijjah, or Rajab, or Ramadan. because the rewards are so much greater. We shouldn't of course wait for these months to do good. I and mean, we should always be doing good. But these are the months. And Makkah is central to the discussion of this verse of the Holy Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We have created twelve months and four of them are Hurum. Four of them are sacred. Something which I read, reading about Hajj. Beautiful hadith of the Nabi sallallahu reported by Imam Bukhari. A woman came to the Nabi sallallahu no, he didn't she didn't. She went to her husband. It was the time when the Nabi Sallallahu prepared to go for Hajj. So today, Skudbah will revolve around uh, Hajj and, and the four four sacred months, particularly the, the first ten days of, of Hajj. So this woman went to her husband and said, you know, the Prophet is preparing himself to go for Hajj. I would like to go and make Hajj with the Nabi sallallahu wa She wanted to go, make Hajj with the Nabi. Wa and the husband said, "You know, but I, I can't. I don't have, I don't have, a, a riding animal to put you on so you can go." Fahad, she said, "What about your camel?" He says, "But I have dedicated this camel fi sabilillah. I have dedicated this camel that I will use it only for jihad fi sabilillah." So she pleaded with him and she pleaded with him and and she said, "You go and ask the Nabi Sallam. Ask the Nabi Sallam." Go and ask the Nabi wasallam I want you to ask the Nabi wasallam if you're not going to allow me to go, if you're not going to provide for me the camel to go to Makkah with the Nabi wasallam then ask the Nabi wasallam what should I do to get an equal reward? As if I had done hajj with him during his lifetime. So the husband went to the Nabi wasallam and gave salam to the Nabi wasallam on behalf of his wife. And uh, he said, well, I've come on behalf of my wife. Uh, she wants to go for hajj with you, Ya Rasulullah. But I don't have the transport, which was camels in those days, to, to send her for hajj with you. She wants to know what ta'adil, what would be e- the equivalent ibadah, the equivalent amanun salih, the equivalent good deed, that would be equal in reward to she going with hajj, with you for hajj. And then Nabi SAW said, Give salam to your wife and tell her that if she makes Umrah in Ramadan, it is equal to a Hajj with me. Subhanallah. Of course, now I'm standing here looking at you, and now we're all saying to ourselves, That's it, next time I'm going for Umrah in Ramadan. Nabi SAW said, If you go for Umrah in Ramadan, it is you get the same reward. It is equal to having performed a Hajj with Muhammad. SAW. Subhanallah. But, what I, want to, the, the, what I want to convey to you is not so much the reward and the beauty of, of what the Nabi had said, but the fact that they had said it, the fact that people come to him and ask him these questions, and he always had a positive answer for them. Hmm? He always had not only a positive answer for them, he had an answer for them beyond their expectations. Beyond their expectations. I mean, I would have thought, well, what could be equal to a hajj with the Nabi? After all, the Nabi only performed one hajj in his life. So if you perform Umrah in the month of Ramadan, it is as if you had gone with the Prophet on that hajj, his only hajj that he had made with the Zahaba As-salatu The days that stand in front of us that I want to focus on are the first ten days of the hijjah hajjah And there is a beautiful hadith also in, in Bukhari, narrated also by Tirmidhin Ibn Majah, uh, and it is found in, the, in Bukhari, in the chapter on Eidin, on the two Eids, if you want to look up the Hadith. The Hadith is narrated by Ibn Abbas, he says, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, the Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم said, ما من, العمل فيها أحب إلى الله عز وجل من هذه الأيام. No says the Nabi SAW says, and this is a hadith which is authentic that there are no days, there are no days in which a person does a good deed. More beloved to Allah. That's not just a good deed which has so much reward. Nabi SAW says there are no there's not a time, there's not a day or days. In which you do something good, which Allah loves more. In other words, there are no other days in which, in which, in which you do a good deed, which Allah doesn't, which is more beloved to Allah than these days, the first ten days of the Al-Hijjah. we are so the companion said, "Yeah, Rasulullah." First time they hear this, how is it that you know Ramadan is so great? There are such greater things than the 10 days of Muharram, so what did they say? They said, Ya Rasulullah. Wala al jihadu fi sabilillah. They said, Ya Rabb, oh, he said, Ya Rasulullah, a good deed done in the first 10 days of the Hijjah, what about jihad? What about jihad? Isn't jihad the highest form of sacrifice, the highest form of ibadah, the highest form of good deed? The Nabi sallallahu wa sallam replied, What did he say? He said, Wala al jihadu fi sabilillah. Not even going for jihad in the path of Allah is greater than a good deed you do in the first 10 days of the Hijjah. Illa, except. Except. Rajulan kharaja, bi nafsihi Except a man who had left his house to go for jihad with all his wealth, and himself personally going to fight in the path of Allah, and takes all his wealth with him, and he comes back with nothing. Not with himself, nor with his wealth. In other words, he spends all his wealth in the path of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he dies in jihad. Only that person's deeds are equal to the person who gives five cents of sadaqah in the first ten days of, the Hijja, or say Subhanallah in the first 10 days of the Hijja, or performs his Salah on time, or makes Zikrullah, and so forth and so on, which we will delineate later on. So, here yeah, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi confirms that the first 10 days of the Hijja, of course, the first 10 days of the Hijja, people say, What about the Ramadan? Ramadan is on its own. Ramadan has a night on its own at Al-Qadr. Ramadan has rewards on its own. 700 times you get what you do. What does what this hadith say? It doesn't talk about numbers. It talks about the love of Allah for what you do. The love of Allah for what you do. So in Ramadan, you get all the reward. In the first days of the Hijjah, you get what? You get love. What do you want? They say, you know, Christianity is based on love. We love Jesus. You drive by in a car, there's a little fish there, and it says, We love Jesus. And they, they, they bought, they, they could get the minds of the world to submit to this slogan without any practice we have not only the slogan, we have the practice. We've got the rewards in Ramadan and throughout our lives. And we have got the love of our... Particularly, we have the love of Allah, subhanahu ta'ala, in the first 10 days of the Hijrah. So Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, then from time to time, gives us these beautiful gifts. Gift of Ramadan, the gift of al Qadr, the gift of Arafah, and we hear now that greater than the ibadah of Ramadan and more beloved in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the first 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah. And the Mufassirun, the people who interpret the Qur'an, they refer to Surah 89, which is Surah Al-Fajr. And they say that the beginning of the Surah, the first verse of the Surah, refers to the first ten days of the Al-Hijjah. وَالْفَجْرِ وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرٍ وَالْفَجْرِ وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرٍ Now the wawya, the wal-fajri, the waw yeah, normally means end. المرأة وَأولادها. A woman and her children, for example. Why is normally just... means end. But, but if it's used in this sense... When Allah begins a sentence, when we begin a sentence with wa, then it doesn't mean and anymore. Then it means by Allah. By Allah. My grandchildren came for a holiday now from, from Qatar. And they, I noticed when they speak to the other grandchildren, then the, they have discussions. Then my grandkids from Qatar, they start the discussion by saying, wallahi, wallahi, Say wallahi. <laughs> they say to the other child, say wallahi. So wallahi, the here means, by Allah. And when Allah subhanahu uses the word wa at the beginning of his head, it means, wal fajr, Allah says, I swear by the fajr. I swear by the, by fajr, Allah says. Wa layalin ashr. And Allah says, I swear by the ten nights, meaning the ten nights of Dil-Hijjah. I was, it is so great that Allah... Like for example, Allah says, wa وَزَيْتُونَ وَتُورِسِينِينَ Allah swears by the fig and the olive. And Allah swears by the Mount Turisina. So, woe here has a very powerful impact. It has divine... A, a, a divine sanction of the highest quality. Allah says, I swear by the night. I swear by these ten days. If you keep up and hold up these 10 days of the, the first 10 days of the Hijjah, I, your Lord, sw- swears by the greatness of these 10 days. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, of course, the Nabi sallam confirms that these are the 10 days in which we should do the best that we can. So, we will be looking for the moon sometime around the 15th of September, I think. Maybe the first day of the Hijjah will be the 15th. So keep this date in mind, the 15th of September. And I think maybe it's a good thing now for us to plan a kind of program which we should follow for the first 10 days of the Hijjah. We know now our beloved good deeds is to Allah in these 10 days. And I think the plan that we should have and the beauty of the hadith is, that the hadith doesn't talk about ibadah. The hadith, of course, ibadah is always, ibadah is good deeds. Ibadah is a good, ibadah are, falls under the category of good deeds. But the Nabi sallallahu talks about, he says good deeds. Good deeds are more beloved to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He could have said salah, he could have said fasting, he could have said so many things. But he, he says good deeds. Allah looks at good deeds. And we know that this term, good deeds, is fundamental to the iman of a Muslim. A Muslim doesn't do good deeds, is not a Muslim. Of course, you look at me and say, no, who can Sheikh Susi? I mean, how can you say a person who doesn't do good, Muslim who doesn't do good deeds, not a Muslim? Because Allah says so. Because when Allah talks to us in the Quran, what does Allah say? Ya yeah, ayu amanu wa wa Allah always refers to the believers as what? Oh, you will believe. Full stop, no. Oh, you will believe. وَعَمِلُوا Oh, you will believe. Oh, believe and do good deeds. That's the other side of the coin. So if you don't do good deeds, you can't be half a Muslim. You have to be no Muslim or full Muslim. One of the two. They're no half measures. So Muslims are known by the good deeds. Islam was spread by good deeds. Islam was not spread by one in two proselytize the whole world. The Sahaba didn't leave Makkah and Medina to go out there uh, to make people become Muslim. They led the world to Islam by their good deeds, by their good character, by their sincerity, dependability, their honesty. This is what led people to become Muslim. May Allah to give that that we, we show that kind of example. That when we business people or enter into contact with people, that we're honest about it. That we stick to the agreements that we make. So very important today in the world that we live in. And Muslims are not rising to that challenge which Muhammad sallallahu brought. And that is the challenge of conversion. You can't convert people if you're a dishonest man. They will say, but what kind of faith do you come with when you're a dishonest man? They first look at you, then they look at your deed. So, for these ten days of, like we do it in Ramadan, again it's a reminder for us. And we need these reminders in the world that we live in today. That we should draw up a simple program. One of the things we can do is to make sadaka every day. Again, as I said, Allah doesn't look at the amount that you give. Allah doesn't look at who you give it to, and you should also not do that. Don't think, well, I'm going to give sadaq, well, I'm a rich man. Sheikh said, I must give sadaq, I've got 500,000 and hand. I must give it to people who really deserve it. <clears throat> Come the end of uh, the the end of, the end of, of, of hajjah, and you haven't given one cent, because you say, I haven't found anybody who is worthy of my money, which I've worked for so hard. And we should be reminded in that case. Don't look at the man and say, he smells, you know, I'm not going to give him any money. Or he, he, he looks like a, he's a beggar, I'm not going to spoil him. Or he, you, you decide. In other words, your mind tells, you play God, in other words. You play God. You say, well, I will decide whether he needs or he doesn't need. And the reminder of the hadith of the Nabi, sallallahu where where man gave charity to to a person who didn't deserve the charity. Man gave charity to a rich man. So the next day the Sahaba said to him, You know, you gave charity to somebody last night, he's a rich man. So he thought, well, you know, I must make up. So the next day he gave more charity and he gave charity to a woman. And they said, you know, yesterday you gave charity that woman is a is a bad woman, she's a prostitute. So again he gave charity to somebody also who didn't deserve it. So eventually he went to the Nabi SAW and said, Ya Rasulullah, I've been giving charity but you're not giving to all the wrong people. What is the verdict now? Should I repeat my sadaqah which I've given? Somebody came to me and said, you know, you gave to that person, I gave him 10,000 rand yesterday. And he spent it all. Now you also give him, you must never give him. People come to me a lot and say, You mustn't give to that person, Don't give my, don't give to that, don't give to this one. So this man went also to the rabbi said, Rasul, I gave to a prostitute. I gave to a man who was rich. I gave to a man who didn't deserve it. What, is, what should I do? Should I repeat? Rabbi Sallallahu Alaihi smiled and said, By you giving to the rich man, the rich man should have given it back and said, I'm a rich man. But he took it. Rabbi Sallallahu Alaihi said, By that you may shake his conscience. That you gave him money and he was a rich man, may Allah SWT give him the hidayah that he must also give. And he, he said, What about the prostitute? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, May Allah SWT give that the money you gave to her would keep her away from prostitution. And should I repeat? this said, No. No. Why not? Why, why, why should we not feel ashamed? Or why should we not feel that we haven't done the proper thing? if somebody comes to tell us when we have given somebody money or sadaqah that we should not have given. Why not? Because Allah Himself doesn't distinguish between a prostitute and a non-prostitute. Allah doesn't distinguish between those who are rich and those who are poor. In fact, Allah also doesn't even distinguish between whether you're Muslim or not Muslim. The Prophet gave more to non-Muslims than he gave to Muslims in the early stages of Islam. You know that? In the beginning, when Zakah, when there wasn't a restriction on giving Zakah to non Muslims, Nabi gave to the chiefs of the tribes not one sheep, ten sheep, or ten camels, valleys full of camels and valleys full of sheep. Subhanallah. Part of Mu'allafati quloobuhum, to steal the hearts of those who, 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 who want to become close to Muslims. So if Allah doesn't discriminate, To what we give and to who we give. Then who are we to discriminate? So in the month of the Hijjah, first the end of the Hijjah, one of the things that you must put on your your list of do's that Allah will love is Sadaqah. The other thing we should put on our agenda, mine and yours, is to pray on time. I'm guilty of that. And... All of us maybe sometimes are guilty of that. We don't pray on time. We pray, but we don't pray on time. Now we should try and pray on time. Not only in the first ten days of the Hajjah, but, but all the time. But like Ramadan, let the Hajjah be a training ground for us. That we should not backbite. That backbiting should become not part of our vocabulary. And the training ground should be the first ten days of, of the hijjah We know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about backbiting in the Quran. It's like eating the flesh of your dead brother. And what is backbiting? Backbiting is to say something in somebody's absence that that person won't like. Anything you say about somebody in his absence which you would not like is called backbiting. Of course there's a positive side to backbiting. Maybe I should ask you that question. What is the positive side of backbiting? The positive side of backbiting is that the one against whom you backbite will smile on the day of Qiyamah. If you said something bad about somebody, then on the day of Qiyamah, that person will smile because he will be getting good deeds without having done anything on the dunya. Some people will go maybe to jannah just because other people backbited them so much. That they've gathered so much of, of good deeds. So Allah will say, why you said this about that. So one should be very, very careful. Sometimes we do a lot of good, but we reduce it because of backbiting. Slandering. Talking really bad about, about other people. Saying very bad things about people. We should try and curb our tongue. Consciously you should try and do it. And tell others, no, don't speak about. It. In my company, please don't speak about other people. Don't say anything about this and that. Because you starting the conversation will be even worse. But one should be firm on some things. There's some things you should be firm on, like your children. When you sit around the table and you start say, no, don't speak about it. your cousin. Don't speak about this one. Don't speak. anybody for that matter. Doesn't matter who. And don't allow them to speak about their small cousins because that's where it starts. It starts where the small one says about the other small one. The other small one did this or said that, you know, father, he swore at me. I said, don't don't, don't say it. Don't use the word. Leave it. Don't speak about it. Don't speak about others. It should become an institution in our homes. And the training ground should be Ramadan. The training ground should be the first ten days of al Hajj. Of course, an ibadah which Allah loves very much is the ibadah of fasting. For those of us who can fast, good to fast the whole nine days of the hijjah First nine days of the Al-Hijjah. Every day that you fast, Allah SWT keeps you away from Jahannam for 70 years. So 70 times 9 is how much? Hmm? 630, is it? Now 630 years of the dunya is how many years of the Akhirah? One year of the dunya is equal to? How many years in the Akhirah? One thousand years. So 630,000 years away from Jahannam if you fast the nine days of the Al-Hijjah. First nine days. If you can't fast fast the nine days of the Al-Hijjah, maybe you could fast one or two days, or maybe three days. But let's assume you don't fast any of the days of the first ten days of Al-Hijjah. But you fast the day of Arafah. Which of course should be a day that you fast every year. It should be part of your program to fast on the day of Arafah. And not the day of Arafah that we make and manufacture here in Cape Town. Not that Arafah. Don't let people tell you, yes, the ninth day of the Al-Hijjah is the day of Arafah. No, no. The Prophet has, was asked himself, when is the day of Arafah? And what did he say? He said, yawmah yawarifun The day when people are on Arafah, that is the day of Arafah. Not when we decide in Cape Town when it's Arafah. Prophet said, the day when people are on Arafah, that is the day of Arafah. And that is the day that we should fast. Of course, now a lot of other complications coming, but let's not go there now. Uh, let me just say to you that if you're on the fast on the day of Arafah, you should fast on the day of Arafah. That is happening there in, in, on, on Arafah, uh, close to Makkah. And if you fast on the day of Arafah, what is the reward? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, the person who fasts on the day of Arafah, Allah will give him forgive, forgive him the sins, all the sins, no exception, that he committed in the past year, and all the sins that he will commit in the year to come. SubhanAllah. Look at the mercy and the love of Allah. We say Allah wants to put us in Jahanam. There's no intention at all. So imagine if you fast in every Arafah, it means that every year you will, Allah would have forgiven the previous sins, sins and the coming years. That doesn't mean you can now go and commit sins, you know, with saying, I'm forgiven already, you know. So. No. I mean, that will be make, making a mockery of the deen of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I worked out. let's assume now that the day of Arafah approximately will be about 13 hours of fasting. About 13 hours approximately of fasting. So if you take 13 hours 13 hours of fasting is equal to let's say 12 hours, let's say it's 12 hours Let's not be so pedantic 12 hours, 24 months are forgiven So for every hour you fast, how many months are forgiven? 2 months Every hour of fasting on the day of Arafah Allah wipes out 2 whole months of sins SubhanAllah, I tell you we need that, I need that all of us need. The world needs that. The world needs the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa taala. And then Nabi sallallahu wa sallam says, and we talk about, spoke about sadaqah, And then Nabi sallallahu wa sallam talks about jahannam, and he says, save yourself from jahannam. walaw bi shiq tamra. Nabi sallallahu wa says, even if you give half a date in charity, it will save you from the fire of jahannam. Half a date, not even a full date. If somebody comes to you and says, give me something, and you've got one date, and you break it in half, and you give him half, and you keep half, that half a date can save you from the fire of Jahannam. Subhanallah. So don't trivialize what you want to give in Sadaqah, uh, in the month of, of dhul Qa'dah, in the month of, of uh, Dhul-Hijjah. And the Nabi S.A.W. says, on the day of Arafah, sorry. Nabi Sallam, No, the first ten days of Dhul-Hijjah. Nabi S.A.W. said, the best dhikr to make on the day of Arafah, for those of course who are not in Arafah, is to say, I shadu illallah, wahdahu la sharika Lahul mulk, walahul hamd, wa huwa ala kulli qadir. I shadu wa ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la. hamd, wa huwa ala kulli qadir. Repeat this often. This is your dhikr. And this is the most beloved dua that a person can make on the day of Arafah. And of course, should be part of our program is to read the Qur'an. I say this every single week. I think it's not a week that goes past that I don't tell you to read the Qur'an. And I always say to you, don't read the whole Qur'an in Ramadan and neglect it in the rest of the year. Read at least one page of every salah. Not two pages. I was told two pages, but my advice is to read one page. Make a habit of reading now, starting now, before the, tenth, before the first ten days, one page. It won't take you long, one page. Why one page? Because if you read one page, you can read the translation, and you can spend another five minutes thinking about what you've read. Whereas if you read half a juice or a juice, you have no time to think about what you read. You have no time to look at the translation. You have no time for that. You should make time now to begin to understand what the Qur'an says. And finally, that which Allah loves throughout the year, but loves more in the first ten days of the Hijjah, is Qiyam layl Now there are three ways of making Qiyam layl Two of them you don't have to get up. Only one of them you have to get up. That too, Qiyam means to make Salah in the night, isn't it? I'm giving you some tricks. Not tricks, sorry. Some shortcuts. That's my job. Three ways of making Qiyam uleyhi. Two, you don't have to rise in the middle of the night. Only one. Nabi Wasallam said, if you make aisha Salah with Jama'ah, it is as if you have stood half the night in prayer. If you make Fajr with Jama'ah, it is as if you stood, stood the whole night in prayer. So you make Qiyamul layl half Qiyamul layl half the night, just making Isha in Jama'ah. And if you make Fajr, you get the full night's reward. You have slept the whole night, but mashallah, you get the reward. The third way, of course, is to in fact get up like the Nabi Sallallahu did in the middle of the night. Or just before Fajr, get up a little bit earlier, maybe 15 minutes before Fajr, and make two rakahs, and near this Qiyam layl and remember that time just before Fajr Salah is the most mustajab time for Allah accepting tawbah. In fact, the hadith says Allah comes near to the dunya in the last third of the night to do what? Allah comes near. And Allah says, who is there who is asking for forgiveness? Who wants me to forgive him? This is the time for forgiveness. See, if you think you've committed so much sin, like I said last week, the man who came to the Nabi said, Ya Rasulullah, there's not a single sin I haven't committed. Is there tawbah for me? Will Allah forgive me? I've made every single sin. You think of it, I've done it. The so, looked at him and said, Do you do any good? Do you do good things? He said, yeah, of course. The Prophet said, do more good and stop what you're doing. Allah will forgive you. Again, amanun salih. Again, good deeds. Imagine the world is awash with good deeds. Imagine the world is awash with people who share, people who care, people who... Just do good for the sake of doing good, for the sake of Allah Subhanahu. Imagine what the world would be like. Imagine that the Muslim countries, the Gulf states, were there, billions and billions and billions of dollars stashed in Chase Manhattan Bank in New York, and Chinese banks and HSBC in Hong Kong, and in Geneva, billions and billions and billions. Imagine they should open their doors to the Muslim refugees that is now drowning in the Mediterranean, trying to go to the Christian world, seek refuge there. Subhanallah, you know it brings tears to me. I think about. I think Subhanallah, these are Muslims drowning in the sea. On the other side of the ocean is Saudi Arabia, is Dubai is Qatar, is so many of the rich nations in North Africa there are so many Muslim countries that can take these refugees even the poor amongst them like Morocco could take refugees Muslims have so much money to set up factories for them in these countries but no no, we are not doers of good and we think why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes us so much Because those things that we can do, can you imagine your brother comes knocking on your door? Not only do we do that, we bomb them on top of it. Create more refugees. There are now Yemeni refugees also going over to, to Africa and from there going through Sudan and going through Egypt and going to Europe. And what do we say? How can Germany close their doors? How can Hungary not allow them to get on the train? What kind of people are these? Think about your own people. Think about your own people. Think about the Saudis, the Qataris, the Dubains, the Gulf states. You don't hear a word, not a murmur, not a murmur from them as to how many refugees they have taken, you know. Or at least give money to Europe to look after these refugees, to set up cities for them in Europe. There's least you can do. So we need, inshallah, you know. It's, good, it's, it's easy for me to talk about the Syrians and, the, and all the other refugees, you know, the Iraqis who go to Europe. We also have problems in this country. We have 50% of our people living in this country who live below the breadline. We live on salvation. There also we can do something. So may Allah give inshallah and this, of course, these good days that Allah has given us, the gift of the first 10 days of, of the hijjah will ensure for us also the best days in the Akhirah. And Allah calls the best days of the Akhirah, Yawmul Mazid. Such a beautiful word. Yawmul Mazid, the day Qiyamah was the day of the year after, the day when you'll be questioned. Allah calls it Yawmul Mazid. What does Mazid mean? It means all the excellence which Allah is going to give you on that day. So you're entitled maybe to go to jannah number three. But Allah calls it Yawmul Mazid. Allah says, well, you know, three, give him seven. It's alright, they put him in firdaus. After all, you know, Cape Muslims like to ask for firdaus. So we'll give him firdaus. But there is a generosity of Allah. That is Allah's generosity. So imagine we are generous to the creation of Allah. How generous will Allah be with us? So may Allah give inshallah, that we look at the first 10 days of the hijjah in another light. That we try and make it a different. You don't have to fast every day. You don't. But do something which will show Allah that you recognize that He loves these days. And he wants you to do good these days. And if you can't, if you do nothing, fast on the day of Arafah. At least fast on the day of Arafah. So remember, when they see the moon for the Hijjah this year, keep in mind the hadith of the Nabi and Wal Fajri Wal Al Ashr. Wallahu ta'ala alam. Assalamu alaikum wa